Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. change your life, if He set you free, if He gave you hope when you didn't have hope, a future when you didn't have one, amen. Thank you so much. You're so kind. Please have a seat. And uh, it's such a pleasure, such an honor uh, to be here at church today. Like Pastor Aaron said, my name is JJ, and this is the third time I've had the opportunity to preach at Radiant. And uh, every time I come, it is a life-changing experience. We leave back to our home church in Orlando, Florida, encouraged inspired. I told somebody uh, on staff as I was coming in that this is my second favorite place to preach in the whole world. Now, don't take that personal. That's because I'm a pastor of my own church. So I have to say that because they're watching. And so my second favorite place to preach in all the world is Radiant. And, uh, and someone asked me, why is that? I think one, just the energy and the life, it's probably the reason why you picked this church, amen? When you walked in and you felt the energy and the life and the hope and the optimism and the positivity and the faith. And the second is because of Radiant's impact in my life and on Journey Church's life. We are going to be six years old later this year and we've got one of our staff members here and he's looking at the videos and the guest experience and, and I'm like, does any of this look familiar? He's, he's like, yeah, I think it does. Did they take it from us? I'm like, 100%. 100% they took it from us. No, we absolutely stole everything from Radiant Church, and we just would not be where we were today if it wasn't for, for this church or your generosity. One of the first checks we ever got in the mail to launch our church was you paid for it. Unless you just started coming in the last five years, then you didn't pay for it. But if you've been here from six years ago, you paid for it. We just wouldn't be here without you. Well, we're on that note. Um, can I just say how much I love your pastor? Uh, he's a, a friend and a mentor. He's a friend tour. He, uh, <laughs> I made that trademark. Um, he, he says I'm a great communicator, but uh, he's not only as good or better, but he's a way better leader and pastor and friend. And so I know he's watching. He's at like five of your 20 different campuses today. He'll be there. So you do me a favor and put your hands together and honor your pastor, my friend. Pastor Aaron Burke, we love them. We love Katie so much. I'm joined today by my wife, Liz. She's over there in the corner. And uh, what's up? And our kids are at Radiant Kids. And so um, it's amazing uh, how much you guys get. I've only got 30 minutes left. All right. Well, uh, if you have a Bible, we weren't going to go to the verse yet. Uh, so you can hold off on the verse on the screen. But if you have a Bible, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 13. Uh, well, it'll be on the screen behind me in just a second. Um, I want to share a, a story today uh, from the Bible, and I got to be careful. You know, as preachers, we tend to sometimes tell the uh, stories of famous Bible characters one-sidedly, and no, most notably from their good side. And I think the reason why we do that is because we want to set up uh, models for you that are aspirational. But I think when we only share their good side... Uh, we, we fail you because we not only set up for you models that are aspirational, but at the same time unattainable. And I think sometimes it's helpful to see the other half of some people's lives. I know that was really helpful for me when I saw that in my mentor's life. Um, I won't mention his name because he does watch these sermons, but I'm going to tell you a story about him. It's a little bit embarrassing. I, 
Uh, he, he, was, uh, he was just my idol, you know, outside of Jesus. I wanted to be like this guy. He, he knew Bible verses backwards and forwards. Uh, he was always smiling. You know those people, always smiling, always full of joy, always full of energy. You're like super proud that they're your friend, but also kind of hate them because you want to be like them, but you don't think it's possible. I remember one time we were on a mission trip to Haiti, and uh, he's just got a bunch of joy. He looked outside the window of the van that we were in, and he saw some, some Haitian locals, and we were there to preach. And so he looked outside the window, and he said, he said, hey, we are from America, and we came to share with you the love of God. Good morning. And maybe it was a little too early. Most of the Haitian people we met were not only lovely, but they're in kind, but they were also multilingual. Haitians are very, very smart. Most of them, the ones that we met, spoke English, Creole, French, and Spanish. And, uh, and I found out that day they also spoke a fifth language, uh, sign language. Because... Uh, because they spoke some sign language <laughs> if, to my mentor. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. It's a sign language that's usually reserved for people that cut you off in traffic. And when they, when they gave my mentor the sign language, I was like, this is it. I was in the back of the bus thinking he's going to just, he's going to speak in tongues over them. He's going to bless them. He's going to throw a Bible out the window. I just, he's gonna, I just can't wait to see how this guy responds. And, and I looked at him. And it turns out he also knew sign language because <laughs> he spoke the same language they spoke. And I was in the back of the bus. And can I tell you, I was so relieved <laughs> because I thought I could, I'm not that far off. I can, I can be like this guy. You know what I'm saying? How many people are grateful that we have Bible characters that got both sides? Like, I'm grateful that Noah had the kind of faith to build a boat in a world where rain hadn't even fallen yet. But at the same time, this is the same Noah who got off that boat and with the quickness got so drunk that he passed out naked in front of his children. Like, I never built a boat, but I never passed out naked either. So, guys, I'm like right there with Noah. I'm like right there. You know what I'm saying? And, or a David, you know, who, who killed a giant with a stone. Come on, that's amazing. I, I've never done anything like that, but I also never killed a man that took their wife. You know what I'm saying? So, like, guys, I'm right there with David, you know, and you are too. You're right there in the middle. I think it's helpful to see these characters from both sides. And so I want to introduce you to a Bible character today that's got two sides, one you've probably heard of and one you've definitely not heard of. A lot of my pastor friends had never read this side of this Bible character in the Bible, and his name is Elisha. Now, if you are not familiar with Elisha, I'll give you the quick rundown. I'll give you the one Bible trivia fact that summarizes everything you need to know about him. No one in the Bible did more miracles than Elisha except Jesus. Anytime you're in a sentence with Jesus, and that sentence ends with except Jesus, you're in a pretty good company. Uh, just to give you some of the miracles that he performed, he healed contaminated waters. He multiplied oil. He prophesied a pregnancy. When the baby who he prophesied would be born died as a child, he was like, don't worry. That miracle has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Resurrected the kid that passed away. He healed someone from leprosy, caused leprosy. He caused an entire army to go blind at the same time. There weren't many people like Elisha which make the circumstances surrounding his death that much more mysterious and confusing. When I asked my pastor friends if they can tell me how Elisha died, none of them answered it correctly except Pastor Aaron. And uh, 
you find the story of how Elisha passes away in chapter 13, verse 14 of 2 Kings. You can put the screen on the verse on the screen behind me. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. Elisha came down sick. Now let's just pause and pretend like you don't see the rest of that verse. Big deal, big whoop. Sick, so what? Remember, this is the guy who resurrected the child from the dead. This is the guy who healed leprosy. This is the guy who, who cured contaminated waters. This was the guy that caused an entire army to go blind. So what if he's sick? Just lay hands on yourself, Elisha. You know what I'm saying? You got an anointing on your life. You can do it. But look how the verse ends. But it was the sickness of which he would soon die. So you're telling me that the man who God used to heal other people, God would not heal him? The title of today's message is When God Doesn't Do It For You. Have you ever been in a situation where God did it for someone else, but he didn't do it for you? In 2021, uh, I set a goal. Uh, I, I'm really bad at them, so now I just do one for the whole year. And my goal was to sleep more because sleep is good, and I needed to get my sleep up. They said if I sleep better, everything else in my life will go good. So I Googled how to sleep better, and I ended up on WebMD. And WebMD told me that if I wanted to sleep, and I think we have a picture of what WebMD showed me. If I wanted to sleep, I would need this. I would need a weighted blanket. If I, raise your hand if you sleep with a weighted blanket. God help you. God help you. God help you. I, I looked at it, and it said that it would work because it makes you feel like you're almost back in the womb, like a hug. I said, well, I like hugs. And so I decided to get a weighted blanket. So I went on Google, and I... And I, I got to Amazon. I went on Amazon. And I looked and I found this weighted blanket. And it was the best weighted blanket. It had 43,000 reviews. Most five stars. I'd never seen anything that had 43,000 positive reviews. So I want to just read some of them to you. This one said, I never write reviews. That's how you know it's fake, by the way. Whenever, how many people bought something on Amazon? They're like, I never write. Well, there's a lot of people who are writing for the first time. I never write reviews, but thought I should after buying two of these. How heavy do you want? How heavy do you, do you want this to be? I haven't slept through the night for almost six years. Thanks to a difficult pregnancy and baby, it trained my body to only sleep a couple hours a time. I tried everything and am shocked that a weighted blanket works so magically from restless legs and sound exact instant fix. I have it draped over me as I write this. Is <laughs> what this Which I'm like, I don't think that's what it's for. Um, and then this next one, I got to show you. This just blew my mind. Like, I, I, this has to work for me. This is the best purchase I've ever made. I've been an insomniac for years and have never been successfully treated. Even with the many doctor's appointments and medications, nothing worked. On top of that, I have RLS, restless leg syndrome. That sounds made up. I thought I would give this blanket a try since it was weighted and I'm in pain with nerves in my legs, can't sleep. I always want weight in my arms and legs. This product is not advertised for RLS, should be. I've had my blanket for three days and I have been basically sleeping in a coma-like state. That's not safe. That doesn't sound safe. It's the soundest and best sleep I ever had in my life. The reason why I take time out of the very valuable time that we have to preach to show you this is because my expectations were high after reading. And guys, I bought this blanket and I hated it. It was the worst thing that could ever happen to me in sleep. Number one, it's heavy. So you feel like you're in bondage. Like while you're sleeping, it's just like, like a straight jacket on you. And then if you have them, how do you get past the heat? It's so hot underneath that weighted blanket. So you got bondage and heat. My first dream in the weighted blanket, I was in hell for the first dream. 
It was hot. It was heavy. There was a demon on me. I tried to cast it off. I, I returned that thing the very next day. But what made the experience worse was that it worked for so many other people. I'm saying it's one thing if that happens to your face cream, and it's one thing if that happens to the shampoo that was supposed to get the dandruff out of your hair. It's another thing when it happens with prayer. When prayer seems to work for everyone else around you, and matter of fact, that one person lays hands on everybody and they get pregnant so that you ask them to pray and nothing. It's one thing when it works, but when it doesn't work with fasting. Have you ever had that happen with tithing? You start tithing and the very next week you lose your job. It's one thing if it works, if it doesn't work with marriage counseling that's supposed to come and restore your marriage when you hear that it worked for your friend and him and what happens when things work for other people, when God seems to work for other people, but God doesn't seem to work for you? It can be disappointing when it happens. And if that's you today, by the way, if you haven't experienced that yet, you will one day. One day you will pray for someone who is sick and they will not get healed. And I hate to be the bearer of that bad news, but one day. One day you will pray for the faith to start a business and you will file for incorporation. And the next week you will file for bankruptcy. One day, it can happen. I'm not speaking negativity over you. I'm, not, I'm speaking positivity. I am absolutely positive that one of these things are going to happen to you <laughs> in your life at some point. And when that happens, listen, I know we're a faith community, but we don't just need faith for the victory. We need faith through the losses. And I want to give you that today. I want to tell you three things you can do when God doesn't do it for you. Are you ready? Number one, if you're taking notes, keep pounding. Keep pounding. Keep pounding. Let's continue on the story with Elisha, 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14, Elisha came down sick, and it was the sickness of which he would soon die. So Jehoash, king of Israel, paid him a visit. And when he saw him, he wept openly, crying, My father, my father, chariot and horsemen of Israel. If you've got a Bible, underline that, because we're going to come back to that later in the next point. Elisha told him, Go and get a bow and some arrows. Now pick up the other arrows, said Elisha. He picked them up. Then he said to the king of Israel, Pound the ground. Somebody say, Pound the ground the king struck the ground three times and then what he then what he quit and the holy man became angry with him why didn't you hit the ground five or six times then you would have beaten aram until he was finished but as it is you'll defeat him only three times then elisha died and they buried him let's take a second to zoom out and elisha is not only a miracle worker he's a prophet and so he knows he's going to die he knows that god is not going to answer his prayer the prayer that he prayed to heal himself and yet he has the faith to pray for another man while his own miracle isn't happening do you have the faith to pray after prayer doesn't work for you that's a whole message right there in elisha's life and I think that's why he's upset at the king. He's saying, if I've got the faith to keep praying, you need to have the faith to keep pounding. You need to have the faith to keep trying. I know nothing has happened, and I know nothing is happening. But just because something hasn't happened, and just because something isn't happening, doesn't mean that something won't happen. Doesn't mean that something won't happen. There are a lot of theories to why King Jehoahash stopped pounding the ground with the arrows. But I think the most simplest explanation is because nothing was happening. <laughs> there weren't a lot of instructions that, uh, that uh, Elisha gave uh, Jehoahash. So he just said, pound the ground. So I'm sure Jehoahash grabbed the arrow. He hit the ground. He looked at Elisha like. <laughs> and he grabbed another arrow, hit the ground, looked at Elisha like. And then he grabbed another arrow, he hit the ground, looked at He had other arrows in the quiver, but he probably wasn't even sure if he was doing it right. You know what I'm saying? He hit the ground. He's like, I don't know how this is supposed to work, but 
I don't know what's supposed to happen right now. I guess I'll just stop right now. Why? Because one of the most discouraging seasons in life, listen, is when nothing is happening. What do you do in life when nothing seems to be happening, when nothing seems to be working? You keep doing it. You keep going. You keep pounding. You keep trying. You keep praying. You keep fighting. My wife tells our boys to do three things every morning, every morning, and every morning that she tells them to do it. Not only do they get upset, they pretend like it's the first time she told them. And the three things that she tells them to do every morning is to comb their hair, brush their teeth, and make their bed every day of their life. And every day of their life, they wake up frustrated and they argue with my wife and they tell her the same thing every day. They say, why do we have to do this? No one's coming over. (laughs) And when you think about it, it's a great response. It's pretty accurate. But what they don't understand is that my wife wants them to learn not because what is happening now, but because what will happen in the future. She wants them to be boys who comb their hair, brush their teeth, and make their bed because they might not need that right now. But that's doing something inside of them that's going to prepare them for something coming in the future. And so you got to be the kind of person, Justice and Zane, that brush, that comb your hair so that when you are late to the job interview, you're still, you still look good when you get there because you combed your hair when you woke up and now you got the job you got to be the kind of person that brushes your teeth every morning no matter who's coming over because you might have to (laughs) you might have that's a word for a teenager right now just brush your teeth and because you never know it's not about who's coming over what if you got to make a quick run to the supermarket and you're in the cereal aisle and you reach out for the cocoa puffs at the same time as the future love of your life is there and because of your stank breath you miss God's plan for your life we got to help you out. This is not for now. It's for what will. It's for what's coming. And even if she can make it past the stank breath, if y'all get married and you don't learn how to make your bed, that marriage will end in divorce. Because you don't know how to clean up after yourself. It's not about what's happened or happening. Sometimes we do the things for what will happen. And what I try and tell our kids, if you would just trust us. And just do what we say. I promise what we say is going to show fruit later on in your life. It takes trust to do things when it doesn't make sense in the moment. It takes trust to be sexually pure, especially if you're single and there are opportunities to not be pure, if you know what I'm saying. And it might not make sense right now, but you know when it will make sense? When you get married and because you were pure, you don't have to wrestle with confusing the the affection of your spouse with the abuse of your ex. Because you didn't manage that season of your life well. And now you've got to wrestle with things in the next season of your life. It makes sense then. Forgiving your father who was never there for you, who abandoned you, who abused you, who left you out in the cold and left you and your mom raising all those kids by herself doesn't make sense in the moment. But you know when it will make sense? At his funeral. If you forgive him now, if you have the conversation now, because when you get there, you can look at that casket and not be filled with regret and not be filled with bitterness for a conversation that you can't have now, but you had it then, and that sets you up for the future. And you got it. That's why I love the game Simon Says. How many people remember the game Simon Says? Would you like to play it? Let's just do it really quickly. I promise there's a message behind this. All right? Simon Says, clap your hands. Simon says, tell your neighbor good morning. All right. Simon says, keep pounding. Keep pounding. Simon says, keep pounding. Well, if you don't do this, you're not going to heaven. Simon says, keep pounding. (laughs) I'm just playing. I'm just playing. It's not working out the way I wanted to do. Gotcha. Got him. 
If anybody comes for the second service, just pretend like you heard this for the first time, but why did you stop pounding? Because you saw me stop pounding. But I didn't say, here's what the Lord told me. To Don't stop when you see God stop. Stop when God says stop. But if God didn't say stop, you keep praying. If God didn't say stop, you keep reading your Bible. If God didn't say stop, you keep coming to church. I'm talking to the person who's wrestling in their marriage right now. But God has not released you. Here's a good word for you. Ready? What's the last thing God told you to do? Keep doing it. Keep doing it. If God has not released you from that marriage, you keep fighting. You keep trusting. And maybe one day he will under the biblical context of adultery, abuse, or abandonment. But until then, you keep coming home. You keep bringing flowers. You keep cooking dinner. You keep kissing. You keep going on date nights. To the minister whose ministry is falling apart, you keep showing up. You keep preaching. You keep teaching. You keep fighting. You keep leading small group. If God didn't say stop, don't you stop. Just because God's not moving doesn't mean God's not working. Obey, cling on to the word of God and don't let it go. Keep pounding. And while you keep pounding, here's my second point. Keep it real. Keep it real. Keep pounding. Keep it real. We're going to continue on with the story of Elisha. Now, in order to understand the story of Elisha, you have to understand the story of Elijah. Elijah is Elisha's mentor and his, uh, his, his, his kind of his leader. His, he's teaching Elisha how to be a prophet. And uh, one day, Elisha ascends into heaven, one of the two people to never die on earth, him and Enoch. And Elijah's story is really cool because he shows up to the Jordan River. He grabs his cloak. He hits the Jordan River. The river splits in half. He walks through on dry ground. After he's done, he looks to his uh, apprentice, Elisha, and he says, Elisha, I'm about to go to heaven. What would you like? What can I do for you before I go? And Elisha looks at the river that was just split in half. He goes, literally, read your Bible. He goes, I want, to do, I want that. <laughs> he goes, I want whatever that was. I'd like that. And then he goes, times two. I want double that anointing. Can I get twice of that? Elijah's like, you've asked for a, a difficult thing, but if you see me go, then you'll have it. And this is where we enter the story. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 12. Elisha saw this, saw what? The ascension of Elijah, and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Does that phrase sound familiar? Remember that from the first passage we read? There is a biblical pattern here. The, the author is trying to bring you back to the story because they're connecting. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment, tore it in two, which is a sign traditional of mourning and grieving. Verse 13, Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. What's he trying to do? He said, I'm going to take this anointing for a test drive. <laughs> he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Nothing happened. And he said, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water again, then it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Now you know why he told King Jehoahash with such conviction, keep pounding, because he kept pounding. He said, you got to do what I do. I didn't stop until I saw God start. I'm going to keep going. So he was a man of faith, but don't let his faith distract you from his doubt. Because at the same time, he had doubt. Look at verse 14 one more time. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. And when nothing happened, he questioned God. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? I don't know about you, but I was always taught in church, if you talk to God like this, he would hit you with a lightning bolt. <laughs> I was told you never, ever, 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 ever question God. 
But my question is, if I'm not allowed to question God, then where do I bring my questions to? Because I got questions. So if, and here's what we do as, as leaders and as just Christians. Since we're afraid to question God, we bring our questions to Google instead. Google, what is the meaning of life? Really? Google will bring it to, to science and will bring it to new age religion and to philosophy and to politicians to try and get the answers to our questions. Because, and I think pastors, the reason why we told you that back then is I think we felt like the need to defend God. But can I tell you something? You don't have to defend God. God is big enough to defend himself. In fact, you just be who you are with God as long as you are it with him. He wants you and all of your questions. I wrote it like this. God is not afraid of your authenticity. In fact, he's after it. He wants you to be real with him because he can only work on the real you, not the fake or pretend or perfect you. So be real with him. There are sometimes my wife and I, she'll ask me to do something and I will argue with her and I will question her and I will argue with her and I will question her and I will argue with her and I will question her and then I will do what she said. <laughs> Husbands anywhere know what I'm talking about, you know? And then at the end, she looks at you like, why are you going to go through all that? If at the end, you're just going to do what I asked anyway. I was like, because you need to know. You need to know how much I don't like it, and you need to hear my questions, because I got questions. One of, this, one of those things pertain to shopping, and I, 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 because we're not a time, but I don't like shopping. She likes it, and, and I went with her in the car after a whole, you know, the whole rigmarole deal where I argued and asked questions, and then, and then in the car ride there, she goes, you know what, though? I said, what? She goes, I really appreciate you coming shopping with me. I said, how come? She said, because I know how much you hate it. I was like, that sounds bad. My suffering brings you joy. (laughs) I don't understand. She goes, no, I know how much you hate it, but you did it anyway. And I think it applies, that same principle that applies to God. I don't think God minds that you're frustrated that he's not doing things in your life the way you want him to or that you're angry at him because he didn't answer the prayer. As long as you keep pounding while you keep it real, he's cool with that. In fact, I think he values it more than the person who does things only to get things back from God versus the person who does them even though God's not doing what they want him to do in their life right there at that moment. I'm talking to the person who didn't want to come to church this morning because it was daylight savings time. And y'all here at the first service, you're extra holy, you know. And you were brushing your hair this morning and you were so, so mad at God, you know, for the things in your life that he's not doing. And I don't even know why I'm getting up early in the morning. I could just watch it online. I'm going to get dressed and, and I, God, he's not answering my prayers anyway. And you know you're mad because you took it out on your kids. Get ready. We're going for church. I told you that the clock was earlier than it normally is. Get in the car. And then you get in the car all frustrated coming to church because, you know, your job isn't right and your marriage isn't right and the prayers aren't coming through. Then you put your key in the ignition. Of course God would do that on a Sunday of all days. Of course. You don't want me to go to church, do you? No, a devil is a liar. Get in the thing. And then you come here and the greeters are smiling. You feel like you got to smile because they're smiling. But inside, you're really not smiling. And then they come and the worship comes. And then here's the opportunity for your worship to feel the fakest. Ready? When in the midst of all that, you lift up your hands. And the worship starts. And in the, in, in the ear, your devil is whispering you going, how dare you? 
After the morning you had, with the thoughts you had, you know you don't even want to be here. This is fake. But I came to encourage you today. That is not the moment when your worship is the fakest. That is the moment when your worship is the realest. Because you did that in spite of your Saturday. You did that in spite of your Friday. You did that in spite of your Thursday. You did that in spite of your pain. When you lift up your hands, that's when your worship is the realest. I'll tell you what's fake. I'm going to worship God because he blesses me. Here's what's real. I'm going to worship God even if he doesn't bless me. I'm going to worship God even if he doesn't set me free. I'm going to worship God even if the healing doesn't come. Even if my kids don't end up in church. Even if the finances don't change. I'm going to worship him not for what he does, but for who he is in my life. I know it can feel fake coming to church to worship God when you had a week full of sin. But that's not fake. To come here and know that you don't deserve to be in his presence is the realest thing you can do or be with God. It's the realest. So keep pounding. Keep it real. Here's my last point. Keep reading. Keep reading. Keep reading. Second Kings chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. The worship team can come on up behind me. You guys read this verse. Then Elisha died and they buried him. What an abrupt ending. And if you're not familiar with the story, you might just go ahead and close your Bible right there. Then Elisha died and they buried him. Because that's usually when the story ends in our lives at a funeral. Maybe it's the funeral of a friend or the funeral of a dream or the funeral of a business or the funeral of a relationship. Usually, the season of our life where we close the book on God's story is when something dies. But when something dies in your life, keep reading. Keep reading. That was verse 20 through 21. Now, look at the second part. That was verse 20. Here's verse 21. But sometime later, sometime later, raiding bands of Moabites, as they often did, invaded the country. And one day, some men were burying a man and spotted the raiders. They threw the man into Elisha's tomb and got away. <laughs> Listen to this. And when the body, the dead body, touched Elisha's bones, the man came alive, stood up, and walked out on his own two feet. Please catch this. God did not heal Elisha, but by not performing a healing miracle he performed a resurrection one <sighs> by not healing him he did an even greater miracle through him and in someone else here's what God told me to tell you wait till you see what God does with what he didn't do Wait till you see what God does with what he didn't do. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. I know. But keep reading. Keep living. Keep breathing. Keep fighting. Keep coming to church. Wait till you see. I share our story. I share this story at our church often because it's the story of our church, Journey Church. But I don't know that I've ever shared it at Radiant before. I, uh... Six years ago, seven years ago, when we started our church, well, we started it five years ago, seven years ago, God put it in my wife's heart and I to start a church, and we were excited about it. Uh, we were also excited because we were pregnant at the moment, and we had two boys, so we were really praying for that girl, 
We even went to Pandora and got the little girl bracelet charm. I gave it to my wife on Christmas. I was so sure we were going to have that third child and it was going to be a girl. So we went in for the sonogram to, uh, to confirm my prophetic faith <laughs> that we were going to have that little girl. And we went in for the sonogram. After the sonogram, we got pulled into the OBGYN's office, which if you've ever had that experience, you know that's never a good sign. And when we went in there, long story short, the doctor told us that we had twins, but one of them passed away, and the one child that's still in the womb isn't going to make it past two weeks. We were devastated. That was not, we had the girl. It was the girl. So we went back to our car. We cried. We weeped mourned when you have a high-risk pregnancy like that you have to go to the doctor every every week at that point so we would go to the doctor every week and every time we went to the doctor we were expecting the, the heart to stop beating to do a little heartbeat check and uh visit after visit the heart kept beating the heart kept beating the heart kept beating the heart kept beating so we, but we were, every time we would go in i don't know if you can just the psychology of it it was very heavy and um the baby we kept praying too because it was also like faith was building up you know and we just thought that god was going to do a miracle we just believed him uh doctor told us there was a 99.9 percent chance he was going to pass away i was like my god can do a lot with point one <laughs> i said so you're saying there's a chance that's what i told him believe it or not our child made it all the way to birth all the way to birth but when he was born he was born without lungs so he was on a respirator for seven hours for two or three hours we took him off the respirator after that after he had the chance to meet his family my dad his grandma mom and dad hugged him kissed him talked to him and uh it's a very heavy emotional moment and then he passed away and um we started to get these testimonies from people because my wife blogged the whole journey because uh, it was just our way of processing. And when she did that, because uh, we, we chose not to terminate our pregnancy, we just felt like that's what God wasn't tell us, was telling us to do. So we got messages from other people. One of them was a young lady who had five kids, all from different guys. She was thinking about terminating the fifth pregnancy. When she heard our baby's story, she said, um, I just want you to know, when I heard your baby's story and how he fought for life, your baby saved my baby's life. I'm keeping my baby because of the story of your baby and my wife and I felt so relieved so full because most people don't get to see the reason of their pain until the other side of eternity but we got to see the reason for our pain on this side are we so so fulfilled because God took an ugly moment and he turned it into something beautiful and we started to get a bunch of those testimonies and and we thought babe I think this is what our church is calling us to be a church that helps people turn ugly moments into beautiful moments. I forgot to tell you the name of our child. It was given to us by the nurse in one of our visits. She was a believer. She could tell that we were believers. And she said, I just, I'm praying for you guys. She says, your baby is going to be, your baby's going to go, you guys are going for one heck of a journey. We said, so that's why we'll name him. Our third child who passed away, he's now in heaven, his name was Journey. Our church is named Journey. And we would not have been able to make it six years had we not went through that experience. I'm just telling you this because I want you to hear this. If God would have answered my prayer, I would have missed my purpose. If 
God would have answered my prayer. I would, but six years later, I can tell you like nobody else can. Wait till you see what God does with what he didn't do. And if your story hasn't gotten good yet, that just means you're not at the end of it yet. Every head nod, every eye closed. I want to pray for two people today. First, I want to pray for those who are in a dark moment right now. Your story's not over. Father, I pray for every marriage that's fighting for life. I pray for every person who's got a family member taking chemotherapy. For every business that's on life support that's not going to make it or thinking they're not going to make it, God, I pray that you would encourage them to keep pounding, to keep it real, and to keep reading. I pray a spirit of faith right now over Radiant Church and all of the campuses that are watching. I pray that you would encourage and give life and give hope and give strength like you did to Elisha, like we know you'll do for us. You're the same God. In Jesus' name. Stay, stay with your head bowed. I want to pray one more for a group of people. Maybe you're far from God. Maybe this is your first time at church in a long time or you're watching online or at another campus and why did God allow my story to end up the way that it did? I think it was to get you here. I think the next chapter in your story is right here at Radiant Church today and it begins with Jesus Christ. If you're in this room and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, you want to make a decision to give him your life with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to do one simple thing and that's raise your right hand high to the skies, a signal and a sign. Jesus, my story starts today. I'm going to keep reading. You led me here to this moment, and it was to be with you, to have a relationship with you. If that's you on three, with no one looking, I want you to raise your right hand high to the sky all over this building. One, two, three. Right now, go ahead and raise your right hand. I see it. I see it. I see it. And more importantly, God sees it. Amen. Go ahead and put your hand down. Radiant Church, would you pray this prayer along with me and those who raise their hand, everyone out loud. Father God, my story starts today. I trust in you. I follow you. Forgive me for my past. Prepare me for my future. Today begins the new chapter. I love you, Jesus. I repent and I turn to you. Take over my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give God some praise. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.